Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid Zoom service held on Sunday, July the 11th, 2021. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, You know, I often think that we use the phrase, often, don't we, that the love of God transcends time and space. And just um, seeing all the faces come on the screen and people in the church this morning, seeing everybody gathered together, wherever you are, you are truly welcome and truly loved by each other and also by the God who loves all of us. This morning is the Pentecost 7 and Ian is going to reflect for us later on about different feasts, different worlds, speaking on the story of uh, how John the Baptist um, lost his life. And so we will in a moment have a time of quiet, but I ask you to, um, if you have a candle handy, and perhaps you'd like to light it uh, to signify the fact that we are all together here um, in, uh, in a way this is a symbol of a, us gathering t- this morning, wherever you are. I couldn't find matches, so I had to find a clicker thing. <laughs> <laughs>
seventh Sunday after Pentecost together. Creator, Creator God, God, you made us all May we discern you and a few moments of silence as we allow God to speak directly into each of our hearts. Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us, in silence, confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. May God forgive us, Christ renew us, and the Spirit enable us to grow in love. Amen. Amen. reading is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 6. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the Ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the Ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. So David went and brought up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place, inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people 
went back to their homes. The Gospel is Mark chapter 6, verses 14 to 29. Glory to Christ our Saviour. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and a holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Give thanks to the Lord for his glorious gospel. Praise to Christ our Lord. Loving God, open our hearts and minds to hear your word. 
and to give us a vision of our world which is in line with your values and help us to understand our part in creating that vision on earth. Amen. As uh, Geoffrey alluded a little bit earlier, I feel a little bit like I'm in a cop- cockpit um, of an aeroplane with wires everywhere and buttons to press, so I hope I've uh, pressed all the right buttons. Um, I am going to sort of give a very political interpretation of our Gospel reading today because I actually think St Mark is critiquing the ruling elite of his day in this uh, passage. And in our readings we have two very different feasts which act, I think, as metaphors for two different types of world. The first one is Herod's banquet, held for the powerful elite uh, in society of Mark's day. And it is a banquet full of excess, complexity, intrigue, and incestuous relationships at every level, not just between Herod and Herodias, but between the various members of different governmental, military, and commercial interests who have all been invited to the feast. And despite this drawing together of the great and the powerful, it is a gathering that is filled with fear and paranoia, particularly the fear of being exposed. It cannot tolerate any prophetic voice or truth-telling that speaks truth and reveals the corruption and greed of those at the banquet. Hence why John the Baptist is killed and Jesus is feared. So it seems to me that Mark is parodying this elite group. Firstly, the reference to Herod as king is deeply sarcastic because this was not the King Herod who ordered the slaughter of the innocents during Jesus' birth narrative. This is his son, Herod Antipas, who was not a king but a tetrarch, a ruler of the region of Galilee. And king was a title that he desperately wanted but never succeeded in receiving. And then Mark describes how into this inner circle of all-powerful men, a dancing girl enters, who effectively determines the fate of John the Baptist. And he uses the, st- uh, the story to highlight, I think, the shameless and whimsical and callous methods of decision-making among the rich and powerful of his day, where human life is bartered to save royal face. Herod trades the head, symbolising honour, of the prophet John to rescue the integrity of a drunken oath. It is a social caricature ending with the head of John the Baptist on a platter, which is one uh, grotesque visual image that symbolises graphically the obscene nature of the socio-political elite of the time. And I think also many powerful elites throughout history, which when exposed show the lengths that they will go to to hold on to power and wealth at the expense of the majority. 
And I could think of many present-day examples, but one that came to mind today is the American uh, political elite, whether it's under Trump or Biden or Obama, who desperately want the head of Edward Snowden on a plate for exposing the scale of mass surveillance of Americans by the government and CIA. And if you've ever heard uh, Edward Snowden speak, he's a highly intelligent, articulate, insightful man who's got many quotes that you could... Uh, memorable quotes, but one particularly struck me, and he said this under the Obama administration. In the end, the Obama administration is not afraid of whistleblowers like me, or prophets, I would say, Bradley Manning or Thomas Drake. We are stateless, imprisoned, and powerless. No, the Obama administration is afraid of you. It is afraid of an informed, angry public demanding the constitutional government it was promised, and it should be. And I think it's interesting that history, uh, through the writer Josephus, says that the reason John the Baptist was killed was not so much that he criticised Herod's marriage to his brother's wife, there's no mention of that, but because the Romans were afraid he would incite an insurrection amongst the Jewish people. And unless we become too complacent and think that all this just happens across the Atlantic, we can begin to see the incestuous relationships, the greed and corruption of the political elite uh, in our country, in particular Westminster uh, in England. Because it's increasingly coming to light as contracts over track and trace and PPE are given to friends and donors. And one thing all these elite groups have in common, like Herod's family, is that they will do everything they can to silence these prophets, or as I said, another name for prophets, I think, is whistleblowers, because they expose what's really going on underneath the public image and public statements. And then, in contrast, we have in our Old Testament reading a feast which is characterised by unconfined joy, music, all the different uh, instruments um, uh, described, and a lack of inhibition as David dances before God, as the Ark of the Covenant is carried into the city. There is a joyous carnival atmosphere, one of huge gratitude, and generous offerings are made not only to God, but the people are blessed too. It says that food is dis distributed to all, both men and women. They are given bread, a portion of meat, which was a real treat in those days, and a cake of raisins. There is no excess, just enough for everybody to be fed generously, not just a small elite. And similarly, the feeding of the 5,000, which I think are some of the readings that are coming up in the lectionary, this again contrasts with Herod's banquet. There is a simplicity to it, with no uh, grand guarded palace. Instead, it is held outside in a communal space, a big picnic, really. And there is no excess, as nothing is wasted. All are fed, and there is enough food for everyone. The food is simply blessed, broken, and shared. And there is an atmosphere of peace and community with no fear or violence, no heads on platters. All are welcome, as the song that we sang uh, said, and I think is a theme of St. James. 
And interestingly, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, after the people are fed, they wanted to make Jesus a king and ruler. But Jesus' response was to quietly come away from the crowds. He understood the dangers of the type of kingship that the people required and desired. So these two contrasting types of banquets represent two potential worlds. One bloated, incestuous, fearful and corrupt, where a small, self-serving elite are fed to excess and have so much money and resources they don't know what to do with it. And this, I won't go into it, but there's huge figures to say how much our resources in our world are being narrowed to less and less people and that more and more people, the gap between the rich and the poor is widening all the time. And the other is a joyous feast where all are welcome, all have enough, and community is built. And actually last night I watched a documentary on uh, President Assad uh, in Syria, um, whose family is every bit as complex and filled with internal power struggles as Herod's. And in the documentary it showed uh, the Assad family um, beautifully dressed uh, and the whole family enjoying food in the garden with pictures of Assad and his charming wife Asma al-Assad laughing and joking with the family. And then the film cut away to the city of Homs which was being razed to the ground and bombed at the very same time as this family gathering. And Assad, it later came out in the documentary, knew exactly what was going on. It wasn't that he, he was ignorant. And you had images of young children among the casualties. And there was a brave correspondent, a very famous one called uh, Mary Colvin, uh, was, shown, was showing the devastation of this indiscriminate killing, using her phone to send messages around the world. And like Herod, the Syrian state eliminated her uh, during, actually during the uh, broadcast, another prophet's head on a platter, as they used satellite imagery to locate exactly where her phone was. And um, uh, they were able to uh, uh, have a rocket exactly where she, what she was. And so that is one modern day image of a Herod's feast. And in contrast, a number of years ago, I visited with my family the Golden Temple in Amritsar, in Amritsar, in northern India, which is the centre of the Sikh religion. And there, they actually feed 100,000 people every day. A simple meal of dal and chapati bread, which is eaten in a communal kitchen uh, floor. And all are welcome, whatever religion or whatever reason you are coming to the temple, all are treated uh, and given the same. And there's a real sense of community as thousands of volunteers help wash and clean the dishes uh, ready for the next people to come in. So in Amritsar, unlike many parts of India, all have enough to eat. So you have those two examples of two visions of our world given by the different feasts that I've described in the Bible. And I think as we emerge from COVID, our world is at a threshold where we have a choice between two worlds. And these, this choice is, uh, there is almost a battleground, I think, going on between a powerful elite that want to hold on to power 
and grassroots movements that are actually challenging what is going on. And it's a choice that Arundhati Roy, an Indian author and human rights activist, I think expresses eloquently when she says, we can choose to walk through this threshold, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and our hatred, our avarice and our greed, our data banks and dead ideas, our rivers, dead rivers and smoky skies behind us. Or we can walk through treading lightly with little luggage, ready to imagine another world where the most vulnerable are cared for, where we cherish our planet and seek distributive justice where all have enough. And I think as a community, if we are to model the Feast of David and Jesus, we are called to express our thanks to and gratitude uh, to God with, with joy, which I think St. James does incredibly well with music and song. And hopefully soon we'll be able to come to church and sing uh, and enjoy that expression of gratitude but also to welcome all alike, which is why inclusivity is such an important value to strive for, and to endeavour to ensure care and provision for all. And conversely, Herod's Feast warns us of the dangers of being a self-serving and inward-looking community, and also challenges us to reclaim both individually and collectively our Christian prophetic tradition of speaking truth to power, so that we stop being passive bystanders and instead are ready to fight both individually and collectively for a more just, equitable and sustainable world. Um. When I say Jesus, show us who is not at this table, please respond, help us to find them and bring them there. Jesus. Show us who is not at this table. Help us to find them and bring them there. So let us offer our prayers to God. Jesus Christ, bread of life, those who come to you will not hunger. Jesus Christ, risen one, those who trust in you will not thirst. Holy One, we pray today for the nations of the world and your table of peace. We pray for those nations who are not yet at this table, many still fighting to exert corrupt power over others as they see them as lesser people and whose sense of power and greed impacts on ordinary lives from day to day. We pray for the peacemakers. Who are striving to bring hope to communities torn apart by war or by governments who do not care. We pray for those who help refugees and all those who are trying to provide food, clean drinking water, clothing and shelter to those who have none or very little. Your table of peace. Jesus, show us who is not at this table. Help us to find them and bring them there. Hearing God, we pray for those who are not yet at your table of health. Our world is still battling COVID and we pray for those who are ill with it 
We pray for workers trying to make sure that people can be vaccinated in countries where this is not a priority because they cannot afford to do so. Many of whom, whom already have huge debts that they are unable to pay back. We pray that the better off countries will be willing <clears throat> to provide vaccines cheaply or even free to those poorer countries and as in the long run everyone will benefit and no one will be really safe until everyone is. But not everyone chooses to see that. Your table of health. Jesus, show us who is not at this table. Help us to find them and bring them there. Loving God, we think of your table of well-being. We pray for those for whom today will not be a good day because of illness of body or mind. Those who are anxious, lonely, afraid, hungry, homeless, addicted, doubtful, suicidal, isolated. We pray for your love and healing for them. We pray for those who could help to make sure that their people in their communities do not slip through the net and to give their time, compassion and expertise to alleviating the problems that others have. We ask for your strength for them and a steadfastness of purpose. Your table of well-being. Jesus, show us who is not at this table. Help us to find them and bring them there. God of truth and justice, we think about your table of equality, where all are welcome and all will have enough. We acknowledge that there are many injustices in our world today. So often people are judged in the colour of their skin, where they live, how they dress, how much money they have, if they're working or not. We pray that, they, that we will be the people who are aware of injustices to those in the margins. And with your help, we will try to make things better. Your table of truth, justice and equality. Jesus, show us who is not at this table. Help us to find them and bring them there. God of all love, we praise you that we are each made in your own image and loved unconditionally by you. We thank you that you provide for us a table at which to feast. This table of peace, health, well-being, equality, celebration and love. Help us to bring those to the feast who are missing, that we may all be able to celebrate and rejoice in you together. Your table of love and celebration. Jesus, show us who is not at this table. Help us to find them and bring them there. Amen.
Save us then from silent noises Calling us to trust our own For though snared by earthly treasure Lured by false security Jesus, true and only measures Bring the trap to set for free Give thanks to our gracious God. I'm going to end with a, a blessing, which is uh, quite a challenging blessing. It's the uh, a Franciscan blessing, but I think it, it fits with the uh, reflection and the theme of the service. And it's a fourfold Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths and superficial relationships, so that you may live deeply within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom and peace. And may God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. Well, no birthdays today, um, but we are going to finish with a, a, a simple Amen song, one that we've used a lot before. Um, I'm sure you could do a spot of humming in here, you'd probably get away with a little hum. And if you're at home, you can join in singing. Thinking of that great image of David dancing in front of God, this is a great one to, to move to if you'd like to get into the spirit of, of dance. Um, so, Amen. And, and uh, yeah.